0: Welcome to another episode of With Clardy Purpose. And today I have a very special guest. Her name is Brandy Michelle, and she's an intuitive empowerment and happiness coach, energy healer, and patron of human potential. Our episode today will be all about fulfillment, happiness, and purpose. So I'm so excited. How are you, Brandy? Oh, I'm also so excited to be here. Thank you so much for having me. I love that, Brandy. So where are you from? I know you're located in San Francisco, California. Was that always the case? And how did you discover your purpose of being a coach? How did that look like for you? I love that question.
1: I was born and raised in Detroit, Michigan, and I lived there for most of my life. And then I went to school for university, just about 45 minutes away in Ann Arbor, Michigan. And I had a short stint in Georgia where my dad is from. And now I've spent the last 12 years in San Francisco. In terms of becoming a coach, I have a very interesting path. I spent just under 20 years in corporate America and I ran towards the end of my career, really large sales teams and sales organizations for medical device companies. And in that role, I covered the United States, I covered Canada. And so I had this really successful career and I achieved quite a bit, but I still found that I was always kind of seeking and searching for like that purpose and fulfillment. And so there came a point in my career where I just took a step back and because of the travel and having a little guy, I just decided that that wasn't for me. And there wasn't this real immediate pivot into coaching. There was actually just this very organic time where I was doing my own soul searching, kind of working with myself using kind of energy healing and modalities, as well as thinking about what I wanted in my life that I was just up leveling personally. And so my friends just really started reaching out to me and asking me if I would work with them. And what are you doing? And I see that you feel happier and brighter. And so when they were reaching out to me, I felt like that was the universe saying, this is actually what you are meant to do. And this joy that you kind of found and identified for yourself, you can make that available to others. And then interestingly enough, as I looked back over my corporate career, I realized that that was the part of the job that I loved the most. Like I loved mentoring, young people coming up in their career. I love like running ERGs and making sure that women and people of color really like understood how to navigate corporate America and how to think about their career holistically. And so it's this really beautiful next step in my path on my own journey.
0: That is so beautiful. I think we have similar backgrounds in terms of being in corporate and then feeling that there was something else for us. And then going through this journey of reinvention, this journey of getting clarity, which I love what you said, because it sounds like you went within and you started to explore. You started to ask more questions to get to know yourself. And then the universe just met you halfway because you took that leap of faith. That's powerful, Brandy. I love that. How did you decide that was the moment to take that leap of faith? I mean, so many people sometimes they have this idea of they are meant for something more, but it mm. takes a lot of courage. And it takes a lot of connecting to your why in order for you to make the decision or make the transition. When was that moment for you? And maybe what was your mindset or tools that you utilized to determine that you needed to get to know yourself first?
1: Yes, it's such a beautiful question. Like when I think back to being a little girl, I've always been obsessed with human potential, right? Like how do we maximize that which we're capable of doing in this lifetime? And very few people do it. Like we have this kind of limitless potential that we're tapping into a modicum of it. But there was a point in my life where I realized that I had done a lot of research, a ton of reading, and not a lot of implementation. And so I wasn't really embodying the work. And so I could quote lots of things and tell you about consciousness and tell you about kind of evolving and all of this. But I hadn't lived that. And so just before my son was born, I think I really embarked on it. So that was like seven and a half years ago, like that I was really going to go deep and wide and embrace it fully. But the real tipping point was when I was pregnant, I read this beautiful book called Conscientious Parenting. And she says like right at the beginning of the book that you can learn all that you want. You can have these desires of your heart for your child, but the best thing you can do to raise kind of a happy and whole child is to be happy and whole yourself. And that not really much else mattered. And so like when I read that, it was so motivating to me that... I couldn't like drink soda and want him to drink water and I couldn't easily triggered and want him to be cool, calm and collected that there was just too big of a disconnect in these things. And instead, I just really doubled down on being the best version of me and also realizing that like I can teach him also that like you can have grace with yourself and you make mistakes and that it's always a journey and there'll be ebbs and flows. But I wanted him to see that his mom was striving to be the best version possible.
0: Oh my God, I got the chills when you (laughs) said that story. I'm like, wow, that is so powerful. I mean leading with example, even I don't have kids yet, but I would love to have so I learned a lot from you, from my clients, which most of them have kids, and it's such a beautiful process of embracing a new identity and showing up with more integrity with yourself, it sounds like. So yeah, I love that for you. That's beautiful. What do you think were the gaps of that you needed to bridge? In order to be more happy what were those needle movers that you were like there is something that i need to do more of
1: yeah i mean i wouldn't say that i could pinpoint it to one thing but what i do believe is that i was on this constant rat race of achievement right so i always felt as if if i achieved the next thing if i won the next race right and so If you look over the course of my life, I was a high achiever in that I always got really great grades and I was on all of the different activities at school and I was an athlete and I continued that in college. And then I was a sales leader, which is always like very kind of driven by metrics. And so I'd always been really motivated by kind of these goals and achievements. And as I hit them, I think I anticipated that that would like bring fulfillment and purpose and happiness, but really it brings kind of that excitement in the moment, right? And so then stepping back and realizing like, I always get to the goal, but there's this friction along the way and what is causing that friction? And so that I felt was the disconnection from self, right? Like this lack of understanding of like who I was meant to be in this lifetime. And for me, my personal evolution really involved, like, what are these patterns that I'm circling around? Like, why is friction showing up in my life? And how I could really heal in a way that allowed life to be easier, right? And so now life comes to me instead of me pushing for it. And I just have this deeper sense of peace that I really didn't think was possible. Like, I thought that all of the friction and the strife that I was experiencing in life were just natural parts of life. And I think that's the unfortunate reality of like, that's kind of what culture and community and society teach you. It teaches you that like, it's part of life to have friction. And while there are ebbs and flows, like you don't have to circle around these same patterns and have lots of friction in your life. And that for me is like the beauty that life actually gets to be easy. It gets to be fun.
0: And it sounds also that it's more leading with that feminine energy versus the masculine of, I got to make it happen. Let's go. It's all about competition. It's more about stepping back and allowing space. Oh my God. Randy, you have amazing things here. A wealth of knowledge. I love that. I identify so much with your story around the rat race, and I also realized that If I don't work also on this consistently, it can show up in entrepreneurship too, Mm. because entrepreneurship is like the PhD of personal development in terms of how much light you shed in those blind spots, how much light you shed in those areas that you still need to grow, because in a sense... You got to be more present. You got to be able to handle more stress and your mental, emotional and energetic game inside of you. It has to be in flow, like as much as possible. Do you feel the same way as you transition from this corporate career to entrepreneurship?
1: Yes, I believe that when you're working on something for yourself and with yourself and you have this beautiful vision of it, that it is more easy to kind of lean on those old habits that you previously had, right? Because you're now doing this for yourself, right? Yeah. Like this is your life's purpose and your life's work and how you want to be of service in this world. And you can like get into this place where you're holding on to it so tightly because you desire to manifest it so much that then you're right. Like all of your shadows are really gonna show up in this like big way But I think that's the beauty of it because it is through that experience that like, if you're willing to, you can take a step back and say like, ah, like this is something that I've always been navigating, but it's showing up in such a big way because I'm so much more beholden to this outcome. But right, like there is no level of magnitude in life, right? So you have to approach it. In the same way, you have to take a step back. You have to just have this depth of knowing that you are going to be successful, that it is inevitable for you. And when you can come to that place through probably lots of work, it isn't just like, oh, I just know that this is gonna work. But right, like if you do the work to get to that place, then you can have a really beautiful experience. But to your point, you are absolutely going to be in the spotlight in terms of like your healing and what you need to address and kind of where there are these areas of opportunity. I think the converse that I think it's important that we share with the listeners is that you can like rapid fire your growth because you will uncover so much so quickly. And so like being an entrepreneur just really allows you to like reconnect with yourself and go deep and like learn. And then you can like have this like fast track, both of healing and also being of service.
0: So true. It's like an accelerator to your growth, which I mean, we are both entrepreneurs. So we love it because I mean, there is So much creation energy, right? To be able to serve people and just stepping into that purpose that you feel it in your heart in your soul. And you can just be who you are without having that tension or that resistance. You can Mm -hmm. just go into flow. Yeah. I love that so much, Brandy. What about happiness? I know you're a happiness coach, and I know finding your purpose relates to happiness. Being in the present relates to happiness. All of the things we are talking about relates to happiness. What are the key traits and characteristics of people that are truly happy? And what are some actionable tips? If someone listener they are like listening, they are, oh, I'm not there yet what are things, what is the work they got to do to start creating change towards that goal of happiness?
1: Yes, I call myself a happiness coach. And I really focus on that. But I love to take a step back and say, right, like everyone has some level of happiness, right? So it's not like I am happy, you are not you are happy, I am not right. Like, so I really coach clients around this idea of what is your happiness set point, right? So we have a set point, that we are really spinning around, right? Like, so some things will happen, like you may take this beautiful vacation for a month and then your happiness like kind of rises and you may have a significant change in your life that impacts you negatively and then you kind of fall below. But you're always like moving back to that set point. So the work that I do helps people raise their happiness set point so that when they do have transitions in their life, they're able to kind of bounce back much more quickly, right? And so when you think about the average human, we have 70,000 thoughts per day, 80% of those thoughts are negative, and 90% of those thoughts are repetitive, right? And so like, what is happening in our brain? And how does that direct our life. And as you know, doing the work that we do, our brains are just so powerful. And so the work that I am committed to is like really the subconscious capacity building, where you actually like shift your thoughts and shift your beliefs, so that you are inviting more happiness, more joy into your life. Ultimately, all that we are all seeking in this lifetime is because we believe it will bring us joy, right? And so you think that if I were prettier, that would make me happier and my experience in the world would be happier if I was healthier or skinnier, if I had more money, if I had this job, if I had this car, if I lived in this neighborhood, all of those things that we are seeking, if we were to just really simplify it, we are seeking it because we think that it will make us happy. The unfortunate part of it is, We go about achieving those things, usually the average human, through this kind of stressful process, right? So we worry if it will happen. We'll ruminate if it's gonna happen. We wonder when it will happen. We have fear that we're gonna fail on this journey. And so there's this real big disconnect, right? So the feelings that you're having don't align you with the outcome that you're seeking. And so I really implore people to like change that paradigm. If you focus mostly on increasing your happiness set point, your ability to align with what you're seeking will happen so much more quickly. Because you're going to be on the same frequency of what you want, right? And also, then you won't get to that achievement and feel like, okay, what's next? Because you're seeking happiness again, because you're really just always going to be in this really beautiful space. So that's why I am a happiness coach, because I believe fundamentally that you'll have ease and flow in your life. You'll start to see these beautiful synchronicities and the unintended consequence of being happy is that you will have all the success you've ever been looking for. And as we heal and increase that happiness set point, we actually then can see that many pillars, I think of life as like this three-legged stool. So one is kind of health and wellness. One leg is kind of financial abundance, career, and then the third are relationships, both platonic and romantic. And it's only through this process of healing and increasing our happiness set point that we can really ensure that all three legs of the stool are well balanced. When they aren't, what we often see is people like are really focused on achieving money. And then one of those other legs has to like be less well supported because your happiness set point is only going to allow you so much available energy to give. And so that's why I'm fiercely committed to people really prioritizing happiness. And there's just so much science about it. We won't be able to talk about it all today, but there's so much data that supports that happiness really positively impacts all aspects of our lives. And three things that people can do, obviously they can work with coaches like you and I, and really beautiful to have someone hold space for you in a way that helps you to more quickly up level your life. But let's say you have no money and you don't know what the first thing to do is. I always recommend three things. And so the first is just to have this really beautiful and authentic gratitude practice, right? So the more that you can see all the beauty that is already in your life, the more you're going to draw that to you. We so oftentimes are like focused on what doesn't go well. And we don't really spend a lot of energy like holding on to that emotion of gratitude. And so for me, I try to stop every day, every time something great happens, right? Like before I got on with you today, I'm really excited that I get to have this conversation. I'm so grateful that this opportunity came to me right? And genuinely feeling that way about all the things that are happening in your life will really start to change the trajectory of your life. Second thing, which sometimes people push back on, but I always encourage them to start small is meditation, right? So if we can be in this place of meditation, where we're actually like learning to quiet our brain waves, to like not be in this hyper beta state where it's go, 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 go. Then we can really send these beautiful signals out to the universe. So even if you start for five minutes and what that does allow for is kind of our lower primitive brain, which is probably like oftentimes guiding and directing our life. It allows for this beautiful connection with our high brain, our intellectual brain. And that's going to allow us to just have like these much more beautiful and deep experiences. And then the third one that I love to offer to people to help quiet your mind and increase your happiness set point is kind of morning journaling, right? Like just waking up, you're gonna wake up and you have a million thoughts in your head, all the things that you have to do, all the places you have to go, the things that haven't gone well, what you're worried about, what you're concerned about, and just let those go, right? If you get it out onto paper and then start your day, you just start your day literally with a clean slate. And so if you do those three things consistently and nothing
0: else, I promise you, your life will be better in 90 to 120 days. That's beautiful. And I can attest to that because, I mean, meditation has been incredibly helpful. And I'm like you, when people haven't meditated, I just start small and I remind them consistency over perfection is not going to be perfect, but just be consistent. Even if it's one minute or five, like whatever it is, just have a consistent practice. And journaling is one that I hadn't embraced in the past. And recently, I've been writing every single morning, and I've been truly loving it. Journaling has been here forever, and I always hear people, but I was never drawn to it. And for the first time few months ago, I was just like writing, writing, and I can tell already I'm seeing a huge difference in me. I love that. Yeah. So I love that too, Brandy. And one that I practice also is visualizing Mm -hmm. because people sometimes think visualizing is woo-woo in a way, but the reality is that we are visualizing all the time. Mm -hmm. Like you said, most of the time we are visualizing what we don't want. (laughs) Mm -hmm. We are visualizing our limitations. We are visualizing the worst thing that can happen. So I think having that awareness to notice when that's happening and actually recognizing that the other side of the coin is also possible, right? The possibility, the positive outcome, and just really associating yourself to that while feeling it in the body. Because we want to make sure that we embrace all the emotions and the state of being there already. Wow. So many, so many great things. I love it. What do you think prevents most people from raising their happiness set point? I think really
1: it's awareness. Yeah. Right. I think there's this beautiful opportunity to bring greater awareness to the fact that like that, which the average, I'll go with American because I live here, is experiencing doesn't have to be the norm. We're so indoctrinated to believe that like friction and Mm -hmm challenges are just like a normal part of life. And I'm not saying that you won't continue to have things show up for you. But there's this really beautiful journey that you can go on where you're like, Hey, I know that when something shows up in my life, that there's a lesson for me, I'm going to get that lesson. And that lesson in and of itself is going to help move me forward. And so that too, is just a different way of thinking about life. If you're just like, oh, this thing happened. It's a coincidence. This is how life is. You're not actually like getting the best part of the challenge, which is the lesson. And there's wisdom in challenges, but we're not taught that part. We're just taught like, oh, the challenge comes, the challenge comes, the challenge comes. And you're just like, yeah. And so you're like in a boxing ring, just like taking it instead of just saying like, oh, this must be happening for a reason. Everything happens for a reason. There are no coincidences in this lifetime. And when I like take a step back and say, okay, this showed up for me and something similar to this showed up for me before. And what am I supposed to take from this? And then you take it and you realize it doesn't show up anymore. And so it's really this beautiful awareness that there is infinite intelligence that's guiding life and this infinite intelligence is trying to get your attention and when you align with it when you tune into it and then you realize that there's so many gifts that you're being given and oftentimes it's our lack of awareness that doesn't allow us to blossom in a way that can really like you mentioned earlier increase the trajectory of where we're
0: going that is so beautiful and I love what you said about the lessons because it is true. Like things will keep repeating. Like you keep seeing the same pattern, the same issue with a different person. You are getting the same partner or boss just with a different face. And that's such a good indication that we haven't learned the lesson yet. So we are like in spiritual school in this physical earth. And like you said, the universe is actually allowing us all these amazing opportunities to learn.
1: Yeah. And I think there's this beautiful opportunity to take, I call it radical responsibility for your life and realize, I tell people all the time, everything I do is because of me and everything someone else does is because of you. Like, so I know that like my actions and my experiences are a direct result of my choices of where my brain is in this moment. And even if it could appear from the outside, looking in that something is being acted upon me, there is something in me and about me that is drawing that experience to me. And there's wisdom in that lesson. And more importantly,
0: once I learn it, I don't have to learn it again. (laughs) I think that is so true. I call it perception is projection. What we are perceiving from the outside is actually a projection from the inside. If not, you wouldn't have noticed it. Exactly right.
1: Three people have so much grace around it, right? Like you would see it, but you'd be like, oh, like that's showing up for them because you'd have so much empathy and grace. But that judgment, that comes
0: from the inside. (laughs) Totally, because three people can be in the same situation and the three of them would respond and interpret the situation completely different.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's how
0: we know this is a thing.
1: (laughs) Right. I say that to my clients all the time. I have this like little analogy I give the two of us, we could go to dinner. We could both have chicken. We could both be in a room full of lots of people. And I could walk out and I'm like, oh, like I went to a restaurant and I had chicken and it was dry. And The server was really slow and there were lots of people and it was too noisy and you could go there and you'd be like, I had chicken, they cooked it perfectly. The server gave me lots of time to enjoy my meal and I loved the atmosphere around me. It was so amazing. Now, nothing about that story is different. The circumstances are exactly the same, but you and I have a completely different outlook on those same set of experiences and that's just the lens with which we see the world. But the beautiful part is you can change the lens. I know that I can do the work to see the world the same way you see the world.
0: And that's a gift. That's powerful. And I love the the example around food because I think everyone understands food. So <laughs> I'm going to steal that one, Brandy. I love it. We can share it for sure. <laughs> <laughs> do you think people can have it all? Do you think people can have the fulfillment, the achievement, the financial success, and also the capacity to be happy? Because I've encountered that I work mainly with women and a lot of women, sometimes they think that they got to sacrifice their fulfillment, their happiness in order to make others happy and in order to have financial success most of the time so they can help others because we are very community-oriented human beings. So what are your thoughts around that? And do you see it also in your clients? Yes, I do. First and foremost,
1: I think two things about having it all, right? So the first thing that I think is like, who defines what it all is? And so if you define having it all as something that you cannot achieve, you will inevitably not achieve it. So I think we take a step back and we say, First and foremost, I get to have everything I want in this lifetime. I believe that in my soul, and I invite everyone else to have that same belief. I think it's really beautiful. It's very empowering. It allows me to then dictate kind of what my world looks like, and the world isn't being acted upon me. And so I think first, define what it all is for you. And then secondly, I think we have this beautiful opportunity to really like outline a plan that will work for us to get there. So for me, for example, I try to outsource all the things that really don't need me to do it. And I don't have this like crazy belief that no one else can do anything as well as I do. Right. I think that like I am not a unicorn. I am a or else we're all unicorns, one or the other, whichever way you prefer to look at it. Right. So. In my life, for example, right? Like there's kind of some work that I allowing other people to do, right? So there's things that in my personal life, there's things like with my family, and then there's things with my company that I just outsource. And I say, okay, other people can handle those things so that I can give my attention to what's most critical. So like no one else can get on the podcast and give my answers to this podcast, but someone else can put it on my calendar and someone else can make sure that I show up and some right like so all of those things. But if I were to try to do all of them and that would be my definition of having it all that I can like do every single thing, then I would fail and I'd be setting myself up for failure. Right. But I think when you get to a place where you can relinquish control, right? Because control is like usually our number one challenge, especially for high achieving humans, right? Where you can relinquish control. You believe and know that other people can support you in this really beautiful way. And that is their gift in this lifetime. Then you can actually get to this place where you have
0: it all. That's beautiful. Relinquishing control and allowing yourself to be helped. I think that's a huge challenge, which is the same as receiving love, your ability to actually receive how in your journey, or if you're still working, I think this is a lifelong journey, like all of this personal development. How do you relinquish control? Relinquish control. Is that the same things that you shared? Do you practice meditation, gratitude, journaling? How do you create that awareness to let go of attachment of control?
1: Yeah, I think that I'm very clear. So I've always been a good delegator. I think oftentimes women are told like we're not good delegators. And when I got my first promotion, some woman like Stu was like looking out for me, she sat down with me and she was like, this is what female leaders have problems with. They have problems with delegation. And I was like, okay, not me. Like for me, even when I had teams, I would spend months and months and months if I needed to like interviewing people because I wanted to know that when I hired you to do the job, like I didn't have to do it. And I would actually tell my team, if I start micromanaging you, it means I have lost like all trust in your ability to do it because I do not believe that I need to do anybody else's job. I have like a team, there's a team of four of us and like the three of them, they have like full autonomy, right? They just check in. And so I've always been good at delegating. I think so, we all, I've had many other challenges in my life, as we all do, but that has not necessarily been one of mine. I do like to have kind of like this big picture, like vision for what I'm working on. And then I really spend a lot of time identifying humans that I think can like come in and do very well to support me, right? So, support me in my home and support me in my business and just across life. But I think it comes from this place of actually not trusting yourself, right? Like control is like a lack of trust. Like if I don't do everything, it won't be done well. And I do like to be the leader. Like, so I love being an entrepreneur because I have a vision for what my life will want, will be, but I don't need to like control every single aspect of it. And so once you learn to trust yourself, to your point earlier, like perception is projection, right? Or projection is perception. I said it. Right. Yeah, longer. perception is projection. projection. You said it right. Perfectly. <laughs> <Thank you. laughs> but once you trust yourself, then you will trust that you will be really well supported in this
0: lifetime. Which is so counterintuitive in a way. Once you trust—well, it's not. Once you trust yourself, you can trust others. It makes perfect sense. But when someone think about it, it can be counterintuitive, which is—it's the- so funny. I will yeah. tell
1: you this: when I was growing up. And I had a couple boyfriends that cheated on me. And the moment they asked me, like, what were you doing? And they started like not worrying about what I was doing. I was like, oh, he's definitely cheating on me because why is he worried about what I was doing? People literally. So true. And so you can totally relinquish control when you know that like, I trust that what I tell you I'm going to do, the way that I say that I'm going to show up in the world, I do that, and then I trust that other people will do that for me, right? Like I'll go to the grocery store and I leave my handbag in the basket, and I've done that since I was little, and people will come up to me and be like, "Someone's going to steal your purse," and I said, "No, because I've never stolen anyone else's purse, so no one's going to steal my purse." That's and genius. Like, That's so weird, and I'm like, it's not weird.
0: I love that so much. That's so genius. <laughs> You made me think about so many things, but it is true what we miss, what we lack from others. We got to give it to ourselves first, because clearly that's an indication of we don't have trust. We don't have that like patience or whatever it is. So I think that is on point. I'm so happy to be talking to you. I love that.
1: (laughs) One thing I do want to say, because I think I haven't said this on this podcast, and I think it's so important we share a lot about kind of like radical responsibility and like knowing that you can change your life. And it's also important to know that most of who we are is in our fault, right? So we are shaped by so many outside influences, most of which happen between zero and seven years of age. And so you want to go through this journey of healing and evolving and up leveling from this like really beautiful place of like, I have complete control over me and who I get to be in this lifetime. It's not my fault who I am and have so much grace with yourself because you don't want to get to this place where you're being really hard on yourself and you're blaming yourself because that is counterproductive and it doesn't allow you to up level. And so while we spend so much time in these sessions and on the podcast, like talking about like how we can Take responsibility to change our lives. We just have to do it from this place of grace and this place of like ease and just like loving ourselves.
0: So much love and also being present. I went to these 10 days. I don't know if you have heard about it, the vipassana meditation retreat. Uh-huh. I've heard about vipassana, which Not is, done it. Have you done it? You did it. I did like two months. Where'd you do it? I did it in Kaufman, Texas. Okay. But there are a couple of centers. In yeah, there's California. one right here in California. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they talk about the causes of suffering. I mean, the teacher does because Vipassana is actually a technique. But mm-hmm. part of the cause of suffering is feeling aversion, which means that you're reacting towards a certain emotion, towards the back pain I was feeling while I was meditating for 10 hours a day. Do mm-hmm. like all of these things. We are so re- reactionary. And like you mentioned, this is a process of unlearning what you have learned so you can find yourself, but with grace, with Mm -hmm. compassion, with love, with neutrality in terms of, hey, I'm experiencing sadness. It's not bad. If you don't allow it to happen and you don't feel it, there is no movement. There is no flow of that sadness and the healing is not happening. So I'm so happy you made that point because... It is so true. Sometimes we can be so hard on ourselves and allowing that space to just be human beings, (laughs) which we all are, I think it's such a big enabler. And it's so good. It's beautiful. I love
1: that you did that. Yeah. My cousin has done it. And we have some friends that have done it. And I think before I had Charlie, there was not my son, there was nothing in me that thought I could do it. And now I think I could do it, but I would not want to at this point be away from him for 10 days I but it know. seems
0: amazing i know you could definitely do it and i thought to myself i'm happy i did it before having a baby because i don't think i could leave my baby or my kid for so long you don't have communication to anyone you are like cut off completely 10 days to yourself meditating in silence it's so
1: beautiful. It's such a beautiful experience. And I think it teaches us just this really like loving process of reconnecting to who yeah. we truly are, because we
0: can easily become very disconnected from our true self. That's beautiful, Brandi. You have shared so much wisdom today. I feel I got to reflect after this podcast, just in everything we have talked. Is there anything before we conclude is there anything we haven't talked about that you want to communicate to our listeners here oh
1: well i think about it i created this kind of proprietary process called base and i just will quickly share it because Love i it. think even if like you're not working with me this is a great way to think about whatever you're working through and so I call it that because I believe it's foundational to having a really beautiful life. And the B is around belief. So really like taking a step back and understanding, like what are the beliefs that you have that are creating your life, right? And then the A, we talked a lot about alignment. And so like, how do you get that alignment to be on the same frequency of that which you're seeking? And what's the current alignment that you have? The S is self-awareness, right? So how do you get to this point where... You don't need one of us to tell you what's going on. You just see it. And you're like, oh, I see this pattern. Oh, I see what's going on. And then the E is really about emotional resistance. Like, how do we think back over the course of our life to these like big situations that we've had that have had some level of like emotion associated with them, dense emotion. And how do we like release the emotion but keep the memory? And so when you keep the memory, then you're not drawn back to that past state and you're not circling around it. And so I believe that everyone can think about their life through that lens of the base process and really seek to up-level. And so I am Mm -hmm. launching, I'd love for you to put in the show notes, I'm launching a four-week course that centers on base. And it's a program where you'll get 20 days of content like at the start of every week and a little bit of work. So that you can really like reframe this paradigm from like happiness being an outcome of achievement to making it
0: a goal unto itself.
1: And so That's we'll watch June beautiful. 6th. Thank I you. love
0: it. Just send me a link and I'll put it in the show notes. I appreciate that. So beliefs, alignments, self-awareness and emotional resistance. It is like deprogramming ourselves and reprogramming ourselves in a way. I love that. I like that. Yeah. Yes, you can take <laughs> amazing okay i always conclude the interviews not always there are a couple i haven't done this but today we're gonna conclude the interview with a rapid fire question just i love it it. let's do it yeah what's your favorite book oh my favorite book is called power versus force do you love it i bought it i mean that book is huge i started reading it and i haven't finished it
1: it's so good it's so good it's my favorite book
0: I, I think Hawkins it.
1: is brilliant. He really talks about like consciousness and like this our ability to think about life from this perspective and how our level of consciousness really informs kind of how our life flows and where it goes. He's brilliant. I've read it many, many times.
0: Okay, I gotta read, gotta it. finish I, it, and then text me about it. Okay, okay, I'll text you. I heard it from Kyle Cease. Do you know Kyle Sees? Kyle Sees, no. He's a spiritual teacher. He's really good. I love everything he shares. How do you spell his last name? C-E-A-S-E. C-E-A-S-E. Like He's really good. I think you would love it. Who is your biggest role model? My biggest role model is
1: my grandfather. Yeah, my grandfather grew up in a time where there were a lot of challenges for Black people and he drove a bus to put himself through college, and then he created this really beautiful life for our family. And to have literally three generations of our family who's gone to college as a Black American is very rare. And so I'm really grateful to him for kind of setting that standard
0: for us. Oh, I love that so much. What does Brandy stand for in one word? Empowerment. And last question, where can our listeners find this amazing woman here?
1: (laughs) You're so sweet. So it's www.brandymichelle, Brandy with an I, and Michelle with all E's and one L.com. And you can find all of my work. And for those of you who just like want to hear from me, I do a newsletter that comes out on the 1st and 15th of every month. It's a free newsletter. I'd love for people to just meet me there as well. Thank you so much for having me today. This has been such an enlightening conversation.
0: Thank you so much, Randy. I really appreciate you. I really appreciate everything that you're doing and how much you're contributing in people's lives. So thank you so much for being here with us again. Likewise, you're very welcome. Thank you. Thank you, everyone. If you love this podcast episode, which I'm sure you did, please share with your friends and family and I'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening at With Clarity and Purpose. I really hope you enjoyed today's episode. Sharing is caring. Please share with your friends and family so we can continue building an empowered community together. I'll see you next week.